And today is about how we got here. Like, what were the steps? What was the process? So, um, I have a little wine here with me today because this subject is um, pretty intense and um, not always discussed a lot, especially in the African American community. Um, and what I'm speaking of is IVF, um, known as uh, in vitro fertilization, uh, which is the process that I use to uh, go through to have um, another child, which actually turned into two babies. So just a little bit of background on me. You know, I do have um, five biological children, as I told you, which includes Harper and Hayes. But um, when I met my husband, I had already had uh, two wonderful girls and, you know, we decided to um, have a child together and, you know, continue for our family to grow. I got pregnant the natural way uh, with Jada, my 14-year-old, and during my pregnancy, I want to say around like five months, between four and five months, I ended up um, starting to have issues with my breathing and just not feeling right, and this pregnancy wasn't like the other two pregnancies that I had, so I knew that something was off, something was different, and something just was not right. So... I went to the doctor, you know, my OBGYN at the time, she said, you know, you're not that far along in your pregnancy where your breathing should be impacted like this. We gotta get you checked out. So I ended up going to a cardiologist and they did all this testing on me and come to find out, uh, they said I had um, like a cardiac arrhythmia slash mitral valve prolapse. Um, so basically my valves were not opening and closing properly. So what was happening was uh, fluid was starting to build up. And so it was affecting my breathing because my heart wasn't functioning properly. So I ended up going on two different types of medication. One to regulate my heartbeat because my heartbeat was starting to beat too fast. And then the other was to keep the fluid from building up around my heart. So obviously, you know, I was super scared. Um, at that time, I was still working for the company I work for now, but just in a different position, and it was a more physical position, so I had to stop working, and I had to um, basically sit at home on sick leave, not bed rest, but just sit at home and um, go through my pregnancy, you know, with seeing doctors, like, I went on regular rotation with my OBGYN about once a week, um, and then as the pregnancy went on, it went to twice a week, and then I had to see a maternal fetal specialist, and I had to see my cardiologist like every other week. So it was pretty scary, and seeing my uh, maternal fetal specialist, she said, listen, we cannot let you have this baby naturally. You are going to have to have um, a C-section, and we're going to have to regulate it. It's going to have to be timed, controlled. Uh, we're going to have to take the baby early because we cannot let you go through the natural progression of uh, standard delivery, per se. So I was really scared about that, um, really concerned about that. And so, you know, um, they took her around, I want to say, 36 weeks, 37 weeks. Um, and when I had the C-section, so they had to pump my heart up with all this fluid and um, give me all this 
first medication to like get me through the C-section and all of that went well. But I remember, you know, my doctor talking to me about, listen, you know, Brandy, you have got to really think about this. You know, I think you need to get your suicide. Um, you shouldn't have another child. You can't have another child. If you have another child, quite frankly, it can kill you. Um, we are so glad that we even got you to this point because we didn't know what was going to happen to you or your baby. So we think you should make the decision. So I, I, you know, I talked to my husband. I talked to him over my mom and, you know, some of my friends. And I think when you're in the moment, you know, at that time, I'm like, I ain't having no more kids. This would be, you know, I had my bonus daughter, I had my two daughters. So now we're talking about four girls that we're going to have. I'm good, you know. We don't need any more kids, you know, we're good, we're good, we're good. In that moment, that's how I felt. So I ended up um, getting my tubes tied because I had a C-section. They just did it right then and there, um, and I didn't think anything of it. And I was fine until, I want to say, the first, I don't know, week home, second week home. Immediately, I was like, I made the wrong decision. Um, I went into postpartum depression. Um, I felt helpless. I felt like less than a woman because my decision to um, become a mother again, I feel like was taken from me. It was stolen from me. And it never, it never set well with me. So as time continued on, I was grateful and I was appreciative and I thank God for what I did have, but I was the person that always wanted more children. So I kind of wish that I didn't make that hasty decision. Um, I wish that I would have had more time to really think about it um, and really analyze what my future was going to be. Um, but when somebody tells you it's life or death, on the other hand, you're like, Jesus, like, no, of course I'm going to choose life over death, right? Because um, i got to be here for the children that I do have and the husband that I do have. But um, it does something to you as as a woman to know that that part of you is not there. Um, so I can truly relate to women that can't have children at all, um, women that have, you know, been trying, 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 and, um, you know, can't. The women that IVF can't help, um, the women that IVF has helped, but that's the route that you have to continue to go through. It's an emotional roller coaster. Um, so for many years, this bothered me. And I know it might sound crazy, but I felt like I wasn't complete. I felt like something was missing in my life, even though I have everything. I have, you know, my beautiful children, um, watching them all grow up. I have my life, I have a job, I have all these things, but something always continued to be missing. And I always told, you know, a few of my, my, best, my besties that um, I want more kids, I want more kids. And I've always said, I want more kids, I want more kids, I want more kids. But, you know, life goes on and another year goes by, another year goes by. And next thing you know, um, we're all the way to 2016 and or... Maybe it was 15, 2015. Um, my husband and I had a really, really serious conversation about it. And, you know, we had always talked about it through the years, but he's always like, you can't do it. You know, your doctor said you can't do it. Um, 
Jada. Um, I've been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, um, which is probably the reason why I had the heart problem when I was pregnant with her, but we didn't know that then. Um, so I want to say around 2012, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition um, that I have to take, you know, medication to keep it under wraps. Um, and the autoimmune condition, it attacks my immune system. Um, it treats anything in my body like a foreign object. So it's um, it's been been um, pretty rough to deal with, but it's been managed. And I've been in remission, and I have been good, and I'm good now, and I have been good. So I went to my doctors in about 2015, and I started getting clearances. Um, I went to my rheumatologist and she did a whole workup on me and I said, listen, I think I want to try to have another child. I'm going to have to go through um, probably IVF or tubal reversal, um, but I just want to know what my options are. I want to know what you think. Do you think that I can do this? Medically speaking, am I going to be okay? So she said, listen, um, you've been doing good. We're going to run these tests on you. We're going to see where you are. Um, if everything looks good, then I don't see why you can't. You need to stay on your medication. Um, you're going to have to come to me more regularly than you have been. Um, but I think that you're going to be okay. So I was like, yes, like, woo! One doctor down. Next one, I had to go to my cardiologist, who I absolutely love. Um, I had to go to him, and he took me through some rigorous testing. He did some um, workup on my heart, some blood work, and all that kind of stuff. And he said, "Listen, um, you got a slight heart murmur, but your 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 blood is flowing correctly. Your valves are, you know, operating properly. Um, I don't see any issues. You'll have to come to me more. We'll have to manage you." Uh, but I think that you can do it. You know, you're healthy right now. And, you know, I'm going to give you this clearance. So I was like, yes. Okay, so that's the two doctors down that were the most important that were like, hey, you're on. And then I went to my regular gynecologist um, who does, uh, he doesn't do OBGYN anymore. He doesn't practice that anymore. He, um... What he, he just does standard gynecological care. So I went to him. I just talked it over with him. You know, like, what do you think? Should I tie my tubes? I mean, excuse me, untie my tubes. Should I get my tubes untied, which, if you don't know, requires a surgery for them to go back in and do the reversal? Or should I do IVF? Both of them are expensive. So, you know, what do you think? I know you guys hear those kids in the background. Um, so... He said, listen, Brandy, honestly, I don't think you should do uh, tubal reversal surgery because your tubes could be damaged. Um, we don't know what that would look like for you. Um, and it's a higher risk of it not working. Um, it's a higher risk of potential miscarriage. Um, you know, this tube damage, I don't recommend it. The healing time um, and then waiting to see if, you'll get pregnant, there could be blockage, so on and so forth. So I said, okay, she said, I think you should do IVF. So I talked to one of my friends that happened to have a, a friend of hers that 
went through IVF and she had a doctor to, um, that she recommended. I was gonna try to go to Shady Grove um, in our area, but um, I didn't go to them. I ended up going to Dr. Butler, Dr. Maurice Butler, um, who I absolutely love and I still talk to to this day. Um, I went to him and I had an initial consultation. Like I said, all of this was back in 2015. And in that consultation, you know, he checked out my ovaries um, and, you know, he just got a little bit of the history and he was like, you know, I told him all about my, my autoimmune condition. I told him about my past pregnancy and what went wrong, why I tied my tubes. And he was like, listen, if you have the clearances, we can do this. So I said, okay. He said, you know, I need you to bring your husband back in. Um, we need to, you know, run genetic testing on you, genetic testing on him. Um, and, you know, we need to talk about, do you want a fresh transfer or a frozen transfer? And, you know, he walked me through the whole process of, listen, this is how this works. This is what it looks like. He pulled out pictures of embryos and eggs and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, whoo, listen, if you don't know your body that well now, going through this process, you'll learn your body. So I learned how every part, you know, helps the other part and what it takes and what it works and how it works and the timing of everything and ovulation this and this and that. Um, and it's so much and it's mind boggling and it was a lot to take in. So, you know, when he said fresh transfer, you know, a fresh transfer is, okay, they put you to sleep, they remove your eggs from you, and then the next day or day after you go right back in and you put the eggs back in. Um, I'm sorry, you put the embryos, um, you, sorry, you fertilize the egg and then put the embryos back in. That's a fresh transfer. A frozen transfer is they put you to sleep, they take the eggs and um, they go through the process of fertilizing the egg and it becomes an embryo and you know they go through that process and then they, you can, it, it's frozen, the, the, the embryo is frozen, and then you um, decide when you want to um, get the transfer done. So, you know, fresh was a little cheaper, um, frozen was more, but all of it was expensive. We're talking about 12 grand to 15 grand, to 16 grand, 17 grand, whatever. All I know is that it was more money than what I had. Um, and I had to think about all of that too. So I went home, I talked to my husband. Imagine trying to come home and tell your husband, babe, listen, I want to have another baby, which is going to cost us a lot of money to do. And the baby costs a lot of money. Like having a child costs a lot of money. Like this is a lifetime expense for the rest of our lives. So try coming home and telling your husband that. Woo, let me tell you something. This glass of wine that I'm about to sip. I needed it. Uh -huh. I needed it. He's looking at me like, what? Let me get this straight. You want me to get money, to spend money, to spend money. So we want to spend money to spend money? I was like, yeah. And I went through the whole spiel of how I've been feeling and all of that, and he understood. Um, he, you know, he says, you know, I know that this is something you've been wanting, and honestly, you know, I wanted to. So let's figure it out. You know, we'll get the funds together. And, you know, 
we'll, we'll go through with it. So I was like, yes. Okay. So got that part down. I was like, she's Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so I went back to Dr. Butler together and they, um, they, uh, went ahead and did blood work and stuff. And so they test for like all different genetic things that anything could be wrong. So we had to wait for the genetic, um, you know, test results to come back. But, you know, Dr. Butler talked to him about the process and what we need, what he needed from him, which was his sperm. So, um, <laughs> now this is funny. So he had to schedule a day to uh, come back and give his sperm. So let me tell you something. <laughs> My husband is not into watching magazines, looking at magazines and stuff like that to get him all excited and aroused or whatever. So he's like, babe, I come to the doctor's office and they're like, all right, so you're going to come back in this room and we'll give you plenty of time, however much time you need. And he said, he gets back in the room and there's all these magazines with, you know, a bunch of white women in it. And he's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, how am I supposed to do this? He, so he called me while he was in there. He was like, this is the day I'm supposed to get my spur. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. Like, what you want me to do? So I was like, listen, you're going to have to think about all those romantic times and all those, like, sexual nights that we've had. And you're going to have to figure it out and get this done because if you don't, you hinder the process. So he stayed in there. He did his business. He said, he, you know, he put it on the cup and did whatever. And he came out and there was other people sitting there. He was like, babe, I was so embarrassed because I feel like I was in there forever. And the nurse was like, you know, thank you. You got it done, huh? And he was like, all I could do was laugh because he was like, everybody knew that I was in there, like, ejaculating in the cup. He was like, it just was weird. And I'm glad I got that over with because I don't ever want to do that again. And so I said, okay, you know. Thank you, babe. Love you. You did your part. We're good. So they tested his sperm to make sure there was no abnormalities and things like that. And, you know, there were not. There were not. So Dr. Butler was basically like, listen, um, you're good to go. You know, um, you're going to, you know, make your payment for your frozen. Because I decided to do a frozen transfer. Um, the cost of medications was going to be anywhere from like 25 to 4500 So I had to prepare to pay for the cost of the medications, which is the shots and stuff that you have to give yourself. And, you know, so we discussed all of that, and I had my plan. And then I said, okay, we got to talk about time frame. So I said, listen, I'm thinking that I want to get through, you know, the rest of it, get through this summer. So at the time when we went for the consultation and all that, that was back in like, um, probably like right before or the beginning of the summer. And um, we were doing our vow renewal for 10 years um, in, you know, in October. And we were going to Turks and Caicos. Now, during this time, right, this is when the Zika virus was out. And this was like pretty serious, right? Like, the, and you know, I hope you guys know what the Zika virus is because it still exists. Um, but it's basically a condition where babies were born because of a mosquito bite with the mother and the transmission to the fetus. Babies were born with super small heads and abnormalities and brain deficiencies and things like that. So I was really scared about that. I was like, you know, it seems like every year when people are pregnant, there's some type of epidemic, pandemic, something going on that 
can alter a woman being pregnant. So I was really, really, really concerned and genuinely scared about that. So I said, you know what? Let me just get through the vow renewal and then, you know, let's figure out the Zika thing because I know mosquitoes are going to be in Turks and Caicos. Let me come back. Let me make sure that, you know, I don't have the Zika virus. And then I think that would be the best thing to do is to start after, you know, the vow renewal. And he was like, yeah, that's the best because, you, you know, you don't need your traveling um, during the process of certain processes. You know, it's best for you to just be here. So, excuse me. I said, okay. So, Went through my vow renewal. Everything was beautiful with the Turks and Caicos. Had so much fun. Came back and was like, all right, at the start of the year, we're going to get this process started, and this is going to be good. We're going to roll right into it. So I called Dr. Butler. I set it up for a March time period that we would start, and I would come, you know, get the medications and all of that. So I came into my appointment, and the nurse that I had, she, um, you know, showed me how to, I would have to give myself shots, okay? So if you're somebody that's scared of needles or has a problem with needles, it'll be hard for you to do this process. I'm not scared of needles, but we got like a love-hate relationship right now, but I ain't scared of them. So I learned how to give myself the shot, which was in my abdomen, and I had to give myself shots like twice a day. Um, it was like, a, I don't know, like I would say like a two-week time period. And it was very specific, like a certain time of the morning, I had to do it, and a certain time of the night, and I had to stick to those time frames, because everything about this process is all about dates and times and all that stuff, so that it all, you know, makes sense. So I said, okay, I learned how to do that, came home and started giving myself shots. I actually documented um, the process of me uh, giving myself shots every night, um, and I swear I like looked like a punching bag on my abdomen at one point in time. I had so many bruises from, you know, shot here, shot here, shot here, shot here. And I think I was running out of places to, to give myself a shot at that wasn't sore. But I went through the process because I knew that the end result was going to be something so amazing and something so beautiful. And it was something that I was yearning for for so long. So all of the hormones and all of the emotions that I was going through because those medications like really, really, really make you a little hormonal, um, moody, you know, up and down, all that kind of stuff. And I really didn't share with too many people what I was, you know, what I was doing. Um, I did share with my mother. Um, I shared with one of my aunts. I did not share, um, with my children. Um, so they had no idea. And I did share, um, with a few of my friends, you know, what I was doing. Um, but I kept it really low-key, so not too many people knew. So it was a lot trying to hold those emotions in and just, you know, um, going through the process. And I remember one time that my daughter Jada had a dance competition. And, um, yeah, it was a dance competition, and it was running late. And I was like, oh, my God, the time. So I remember telling her, I'll be back. And I had to go in the car and sit in the car and give myself a shot in the parking lot, you know, in the car. Um, there was another time that I was at a, uh, a concert that my company had gotten tickets for, and I went with my mom, and, you know, while we were up in the little, uh, the little um, booth area, whatever, I had to be like, oh, I'll be right back. I had to go in the bathroom and take out my little kit, and I had to give myself a shot at the concert. Um, there was another time that I was at the movies um 
refrigerator back and going and giving myself a shot in the bathroom in the movies, going in the store and just doop, doop, coming out. And all of that is insane, really. Um, but you do what you have to do to uh, get to the end result. So it's what I did. Um, but I will say that it's a lot. So once I went through that phase, um, I had to have something called a trigger shot. Now, the shots that I was giving myself was basically trying to boost up my hormones and, and stuff to be able to produce um, the follicles needed to create the egg, right? So when you ovulate, you produce follicles, but you need a certain amount of follicles to go through IVF. So um, the trigger shot is a shot that they tell you that you have to get at the at the exact time of day they tell you, you it goes in your ass cheek uh you know basically somebody else has to give it to you and it has to be done and right after that um the, you know the next couple of days they monitor you to see how many follicles have produced because you get, now gave the trigger shots you now triggered your body to say all right let's them let's let's give these um these follicles so we can give these eggs so um this particular day, my husband had to do it, <laughs> and boy, it was just crazy. Let me tell you, this needle setup was like really, really, really weird. Um, it wasn't like the needles that I was used to using, and so the way I had to, to put it together, I felt like he wasn't doing it right, and I was just so upset and so nervous. I remember shaking, like, oh my God, you gotta get this right. I was about to go to my mom's house and have her give me the, the ass shot, but um, he ended up giving it to me, and we laughed about it after the fact, but I was so paranoid, like, did you get it right? If you didn't get it right, I'm going to kill you. Like, this is the one time, like, you can't mess the trigger shot up. You mess the trigger shot up, you're done. You got to start all over again. And I was like, we have to have done this right. Like, we, we had to we do this. So, um, and the next couple of days, you know, they have you come back to the doctor, um, back and forth, back and forth, like, every other day or so to check the follicles and make sure. And then once it gets to a specific point, that's when the doctor's like, boom, all right, we got to get, get the, um, get the egg retrieval, we got to put you to sleep. And that's the egg retrieval process. They put you to sleep, um, and, you know, with IV and everything hooked up, just like you're having a surgery, and you're not asleep for that long, but they go in and they pull out um, the eggs out of the follicles. So um, we get to the point where he's like, okay, it's time to do this. We're going to go pull these eggs out. So we went in, got put to sleep, um, took the eggs out, and I remember waking up feeling so sore, like, I'm, I almost felt like the damn train hit me, I was like, what, what, what happened, and, you know, my husband wasn't right there, they were like, oh, he went to go get your medication for what you're gonna need for later, and I'm like, okay, cool, so, he said, but let me tell you something, you know you like the Easter Bunny, because this was around, like, Easter, or close to Easter, and I was like, what you mean? Girl, you had like 22 eggs. I said, what? Little old me? Are you serious? They're like, yeah, you had like 22 eggs. I was like, shit. I always knew I was fertile, though. But damn, like, that's pretty damn good. So I think at the time I was like 38. Um, the older you get, the less eggs you have to work with. Um, that's why time is not really on your side as a, as a woman um, when you're going through the childbearing ages because it's all about how many eggs you have and produce um so that was good so you know I went home 
Dr. Butler said, all right, we're going to call you. I'm going to call you every day. Every day I'm going to call you and I'm going to tell you um, how many made it. So when you go through this process, there are a certain amount of um, eggs that just won't make it, right? So once they fertilize it, um, once they fertilize the egg with the sperm, it becomes an embryo, and they're not all going to make it. Or they're going to be damaged. They're not going to be good. They can't fertilize them. So um, I lost some along the way. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, all you need is one good embryo, right? Um, but the more embryos you have to work with, the better the outcome for you. So I ended up um, having, I think every other day he called me and I dropped some off. We needed to get to day six. So by day six, I had 11 embryos, 11 perfect looking embryos. So these are 11 embryos that have all the good markings of this is going to be a good baby, um, this is going to be fine, and these can go inside you, and they can attach to you, to your lining, and you're going to be okay. So I opted to get the embryos tested um, because, again, I was older, and I want to know what I'm working with because um, it's a lot of time, and it's a lot of money, and I want to know. And so we also wanted to have a boy. So when you can uh, get the test done, in order for them to tell you if the embryo is good, that's how they're able to tell you the sex of the embryos, the X and Y chromosome. So I sent it off to get tested. They sent it off to get tested. I paid for it. And gosh, it was a lot of money. It's like $150 per embryo for like the first six embryos. And then after that, it was like $100 per embryo. And I had like 11 embryos. So that was a lot of money that I had to pay for, but I felt like it was well worth it. So I got the call back. Um, the doctor called me in. He read the report to me and he said, all right, out of the 11 that you had, four are good. You have two boys and two girls. I said, okay, so when we say good, Good means they all look good, but some of them were missing chromosomes. Um, I didn't have any that would cause like Down syndrome, but there were other there were other different things that were wrong. And basically, it wouldn't evolve to a pregnancy. I would have miscarried, or it wouldn't have attached because it really, even though it looked like a good embryo, um, it wasn't a good embryo. So I had two boys and I had two girls. I was ecstatic because I was like, oh, I only need one. I just want one boy, and we good to go. And so, you know, the doctor said, okay, now you got to make your big decision. You got to tell me, do you and your husband want to put one embryo in, or do you want to put two embryos in? Now, listen, guys, in IVF, you always run the chance that you can potentially have multiples. You can have twins, triplets, quadruplets, so on and so forth. But when you go through a frozen transfer, um, twins are still possible, but it's more, more likely than not in a fresh transfer. Most fresh transfers um, tend to um, end up becoming, um, you know, multiples and, you know, the egg splits. Um, but in this situation, it's not, nothing is splitting because it's, it's already one embryo. So I said, okay, I got to go home and I got to think about it. And he was like, listen, I will not do more than two embryos for you. Uh, because you're not someone that has a problem getting pregnant. Um, you, you know, you don't need to have triplets. Um, and really, I don't think you need to have twins because you do have a health condition. So um, I think you should just do one, but I will do two. 
obviously the higher the, you go as far as the embryos you transfer, the um, higher the life, the higher the chances of you becoming pregnant are. Um, so one one shot, two two shots, and so on and so forth. So I said, all right, we'll go home and talk to my husband, and um, you know we'll decide what we're gonna do. In the meantime, I schedule. You know, he told me the time when the when we can you know come back and do the transfer. And but before they do the transfer, they have to look at your. It has to be timed around your cycle, like after your cycle, all sorts of things that have to go on. Because, like I said, everything is time. So we had to. Um, he, he he wanted me to come back so he could re-examine me, my uterus, and make sure that everything was good, my ovaries, make sure just everything's back to normal. So I took that time to make the decision. I talked to my husband. I remember sitting at the kitchen table, like, all right, listen, what are we going to do? Do we do one? Do we do two? And he was like, listen, we got enough girls running around this house. We need some testosterone around this house. So we got to have a boy. We got to have a boy. And I was like, okay, I do want a boy. We do have girls. I want a boy. I want a boy. So I was like, well, do we do two or do we do one? He was like, man, we should just do two. I was like, well, what if we got twins? He's like, I don't know. I can't see us with no twins. Can you see us with twins? Like, for real, brain. Like, I can't even believe that we're trying to have another baby, period. We done waited all this time. And, you know, now, now we want to, you know, could possibly have twins. And I was like, yeah, well, listen, this is what I think. Let's just put the two male boy embryos in. And I don't think two are going to take. So let's just do, let's just do it. Let's just do two so we can get the one. So he was like, all right, that, that's what we're going to do. So I called Dr. Butler. I told him what, I, what the plan was. I had my appointment to come in. I did my uterine check, and then what happens? It's always an obstacle. It's always something that has to get in the way to deter you from what you're trying to do. And, you know, you you have your time frame of what you feel like should happen, but God has a whole nother time frame for you. So that's why I'm like, mm, making plans sometimes always doesn't work because um, if it's not in his will, it's not going to happen when you want it to. So, you know, in that appointment, he said, we're not going to be able to do the transfer right now. I said, what do you mean? We're not going to be able to do the, do the embryo transfer. Um, Brandy, you have a, a polyp. You have a uterine polyp in your uterus. I was like, what? What do you mean? He was like, you have a polyp in there. We got to get it out. It's a nice size. And, you know, you when you're trying to get pregnant, you can't have anything that's going to hinder your lining. Your lining in your uterus is needed so that the embryo can attach to the lining and be a viable pregnancy. He was like, I will not do this for you and have any obstacles in the way. We got to remove it. I cried and I cried and I cried so bad in that office because I said, this can't be like, what is happening? I just cried because I wanted it so bad. I was like, you mean to tell me you got to get pushed back? Now I got to be put to sleep again. I got to have surgery. I got to make sure when he takes this, out of me, he doesn't scrape, you know, anything in my uterus, and I didn't think that he would, but it's a thought, right, um, I gotta heal, then I gotta go through a whole nother cycle of, you know, uh, a menstrual cycle, I'm like, really, like this, so this is setting me back, and setting me back, and setting me back, and setting me back, and I'm just like, <sighs> so I was so upset, I cried, got it out, not to mention, my husband had to go work overseas. The, at the time, the job he was in was taking him back and forth overseas traveling. 
So he had to go back overseas. So how we had timed it, you know, he would have been here for the transfer and everything, but it just didn't, it didn't happen that way. So he had to go and I had to, they scheduled the surgery and one of my um, coworkers, it's like a big sister to me, she took me to the surgery and, um, you know, I was put to sleep that day. Um, the surgery, you know, went well. I think I was out of work for like a week. Um, so I was in a lot, a lot, a lot of pain in my uterus. And um, I got well, but I was just still like upset because it didn't happen on my time. Um, so then, got once I got better, went back. Okay, next cycle, we're going to do this. If everything's good, we're going to do it. So this time, everything was good. And um, my husband couldn't be here for the transfer, so my mom had to go with me. Um, so we get down there, and they're trying to put the, um, you know, the whole process of doing the transfer. You're awake for that, but you got to drink all this water the day before. I mean, that morning before, hours before, whatever. You're, like, bloated. Like, I woke up, I'm drinking all this water, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. And it hurts so bad. You ever have to pee really, really bad, and you hold me because you can't find a bathroom? That's how I feel. But it hurts real bad because there's nothing you can do and you need to hold it all in because you need a full 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 bladder for them to transfer the embryo through a catheter um you know to your uterus that's how they do it so we went through the transfer um the process doesn't necessarily take long but it's so meticulous right and he got to make sure that he gets it in, in the right spot so i'm watching on the screen and boop, shoots one embryo and boop, shoots the other i'm like okay now we just got to go home and wait for the embryo to implant and, you know, go back in, you know, a couple days and see, you know, at the end of the week, whatever, see if you're pregnant. So some days went by and I, I done bought like, I ain't lying to y'all, I done spent so much money on home pregnancy tests, I should have bought stock in the amount of first response uh, pregnancy tests that I bought, okay? Um, me and first response, we were best friends. So, I didn't want to wait. They tell you, don't test yourself. Don't test yourself. Just, you know, wait and come back and let us do our pregnancy test. You know I'm in this shit. I tested myself. I tested myself out the first couple of days, and that thing was positive. Now, the line was real, 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 real faint. So, I was like, maybe it ain't true. So, what did I do? The next day, test myself. The line got a tad bit darker. I was like, oh, my God. I think I'm pregnant. I think I'm pregnant. I think I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Next thing you know, next day, test myself. The line got a little darker, darker, darker. By the time I went back in to take the test, that line was dark as hell. I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm pregnant. I was so excited. I went to uh, Dr. Butter's office. They did the blood test. They called me back the next morning. It was like, oh, you're pregnant. I was like, I know. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they tell you, like, what's your age? HCG count is and a certain level of your HCG count is good because that means it's a viable pregnancy. So I had a really high HCG count. Sometimes the HCG count can let them know that if it's multiples in there, but sometimes a real high one could only just mean one. So I didn't really go by that. I just knew at least I had a baby in there. So I had to wait a little while um, and I started getting a little pregnancy symptoms and feeling sick as a little bit of time went by. And then I had to um, go in and have the sonogram done. So I went in uh, with my mom, 
get a sonogram, and all these things are things when you have a natural pregnancy you don't necessarily think about because you know when you go to your first sonogram as a natural pregnancy, you're just like, oh, it's a baby there. But for me, I'm thinking about is it going to be a fetal pole? Is it going to have a stem? Is it going to be attached right? I'm thinking about all these things because of the science of everything um, that I learned going through the process. I knew what it really took to be a viable pregnancy, and that's really what I was concerned about. So go in there. He's like, oh, there's the fetal pole. There's this. There's that. Um, but I'm going to have you come back. In the, um, I think he said whenever, the next week or something, you know, we're going to check it out, check you again, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, cool, fine. So some time went by. It was time for my husband to come back from overseas. And, you know, I it was the day before he was coming back. I started spotting. And I was like, I mean, I know you can spot when you have a regular pregnancy and nothing's wrong. You can spot. So I was like, okay, this has got to be okay. It can't be nothing. Maybe it's just because... It's still attaching and everything. It's going to be okay. So I called Dr. Butler. I came in the same day that I picked my husband up from the airport. I went to the doctor for him to check me because I was like, I'm concerned because I'm starting. And it's starting to be like a tad bit heavier. And I just want to make sure. So he checked and he was like, well, everything seems fine. You know, but I'm going to have you come back Monday. Just, you know, we can look again. Um, but everything looks fine. Um, I don't know why you're, you know, spotting a little heavier, but, you know, we're, we're, we're going to monitor you. So I'm scared. I'm nervous. Um, I go to the airport. I pick my husband up. Obviously, I tell him, I mean, he knows I'm pregnant. And he is um, nervous. I tell him that I'm starting to spot. And I don't know, you know, what's going on with that. We get to the restaurant. And I remember sitting in, re in the restaurant. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite restaurants, Mike's in Springfield. And I'm sitting there, and I just immediately, like, lost my appetite. And I just started feeling really weird. And I just started feeling like I had, like, some little cramps. And I was just like, something's not right. My whole aura changed. My whole mental, it just wasn't right. So we came home. He was really tired. Um, he laid down to go to bed. You know, I got myself together, laid down, went to sleep. And then um, in the middle of the night, uh, I started cramping really, really, really bad. I mean, really bad. Um, and I went to the bathroom, and, you know, the amount of blood that came out wasn't good. So I woke him up, and I was like, we got to go to the emergency room. Like, I'm scared. I think, I, I think I'm losing the pregnancy. Um, I'm scared. So we go to the hospital.
emotions, but I couldn't believe it because um, I've never had a miscarriage before. And to be quite honest with you, I think that that was the absolute last thing that I thought could happen in the process. I think I was more prepared for the embryos not taking or latching to me more than preparing myself to not have a baby at all, to miscarry. And it was only one embryo, it wasn't two, only one took. And I didn't understand it. I'm like, I've never had one before, why am I having one now? And this is the time where I feel like, like this shouldn't be no miscarriage. I did everything right. I got the embryo tested, I got the genetic test done. I know this is a perfect child because I got it tested, so why did this happen? You know, my lining was good. Everything was good. Everything that I was supposed to be doing, I did. So I was so hurt and I was so angry um, because I felt like I did everything I was supposed to do. And I'm like, you know, God, you got you to gotta tell me, like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, did I do wrong because... I decided to put two two boy embryos in. Am I playing with God? I had to talk to God. Like, am I playing with you? And because am I trying to play God? Because I said I wanted a boy and I put two boys in and you said it don't work like that. You you spoke to me and you said you don't get to pick and choose what you're supposed to be blessed with. I I'm gonna bless you with what you're supposed to be blessed with. And that's how I felt. Um but I was so hurt and I'm you know, at home recovering, you know, I'm calling my job to tell them I can't come to work because I, you know, had um, an issue. And I never told them it was a miscarriage because I didn't tell my job I was going through this. So I told them that something happened. I don't know what I told them, but um, it was so traumatic to go through because everybody didn't know that I was going through it. My children didn't know. So they didn't know why I went to the hospital. I don't even remember, to be honest with you, what I told them. Um, as to why I was in the hospital, but I just remember hurting really bad, and I think miscarriages are another subject that we as women, we don't talk about. It's like a, a shame thing, uh, or whatever it is. Um, everybody has different emotions, but I feel like a failure, um, and again, I, I feel like I did everything right, so it was like, where did I go wrong? So I was just so hurt. So, of course you have those feelings like, okay, maybe God doesn't want me to even have another child. Maybe this is his way of telling me you're out of your damn mind. Like, this is good. You're good. No more. Stop. No more. So, my husband and I, we talk about it, and he's like, what do you want to do? Um, maybe we shouldn't. And I was like, no, you know, I was going to church um, regularly and praying, and I was like, no, God didn't give me the sign to stop. Uh, but maybe we just need to do things differently. Um, so I went back to Dr. Butler, and he checked me out, and he made sure that everything passed, and everything passed naturally, so I didn't have to have any additional surgeries or anything like that. And um, he said, listen, I don't know why it happened. I'm just as baffled as you because you came in here, you're like a per you were like a perfect case. Um, so I felt like it should have worked. I said, okay. He said, so don't give up. It's going to work. You know, 
Let's do it again. So he said, Bernie, I think you should stem again. And I was like, stem again? Like, we talking a whole nother $18,000. You want me to stem again? I got to buy medicine all over again. Why do you think I should stem again? He was like, the more embryos you have, the better the chances. And right now you're down to two embryos and it's two girls. And I was like,
We walk out of the bathroom and the people are looking at us like, what are they doing? What were they doing? Like, it was so funny because it wasn't like kind of bougie hotels. And I just was dying after. I was like, man, anybody going to believe this stuff? Like, anybody going to believe I'm here at a hotel getting an ass shot? I mean, it's like, I feel like, is this what they do when they get them cement butt implants or whatever it is they get? I don't know. It just felt really weird. <laughs> it was really weird, but it happened, right? So, um, go through the process of, you know, going back and forth to the doctor, him checking and make sure the follicles and all that stuff. We reached a day that he's supposed to take, you know, take it out, put me to sleep to take it out. Um, my mom, for whatever reason, my husband, I think he was back out of town again. And that's the thing. He was back and forth out of town. So a lot of these emotions I went through by myself. Um, my mom with me again. This time, they couldn't find an IV to, a vein to put the IV in. They tried my hand. They tried, you know, um, wherever they put it in your arm. Um, they tried my leg. They ended up having to put the IV in my foot. Um, they found a good vein in my foot, and it was just really weird. I don't know if I was slightly dehydrated. I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but this day my day, my veins were shot to shit. Like they were just not acting right. So we, um, I get put to sleep. They wake me up. They're like, "Girl, do you know you are still fertile?" I was like, "What? What? 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 What is it?" They was like, "Man, we got like twenty eggs this time." I was like, "Really?" So I was so excited. I was like, "Okay, everything's going right." You know, we're doing good. Um, you know, everything is working out. It's all falling into place. So I ended up um, every day, you know, I lost some, right? When they fertilized, I lost some, I lost some, I lost some. So by day six, I ended up with 10 um, embryos this time. 10 perfectly good looking embryos. But guess what? I had to pay all that money all over again to send them out to get tested because I wanted to know what I was working with. Um, so I ended up with, you guys are not even going to believe it, you're going to be like, what? Oh. I ended up with the same number that I had before, two boys and two girls. I said, God is trying to tell me something. Out of all these embryos, two boys and two girls, first of all, that's good, right? That's a good number because some people go through this process and they only end up with one. So two boys and two girls. So now I'm like, okay, all right, honey. What we going to do this time? So I told my husband, listen, I don't think God wants us to determine the sex of the baby. How about we do this? Let's put in one boy and one girl, and it's the luck of the draw. Whatever decides to implant, then that's what we're going to have, right? And he was like, okay, but I hope God listening to me because I'm a boy. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, got it, but this is what we're going to do because I, I, don't, I don't think we did the right thing. I don't know. I prayed about it, and I think this is what we, we should do. So I ended up um, doing the one boy, one girl, the transfer. Um, my mom, no, he was there for the transfer this time. And so at the transfer um, this time, it went good. Um, same process. Time went on. Time went on. I started testing myself. Remember I told you I had a stock of pregnancy tests. I started testing myself, testing myself, testing myself. Boom, she pregnant. Woo, yay. So I had the appointment scheduled to go and see whether one implant, two implant, or how good the pregnancy was. And I got, um, didn't even get to that part. I was at work one day. Um, we were there for a, a, a big manager's meeting. There was a lot of managers there, a lot of different people there. And my thigh 
guys started bothering me. And I remember sitting at like my big sister, my pay big sister's desk, and I said, um, my thighs hurt. And she was like, what? What do you mean? I was like, my thighs are hurting. It's like a shooting pain going through my thighs. It's like I'm having cramps, but cramps in my thighs. She was like, well, that doesn't sound normal. I was like, I know. I think I should call the doctor. So I called the doctor. They were like, okay, come in this afternoon, this evening, monitor it, and, you know, we'll see what's going on. I said, okay. Um, I go to the bathroom. There wasn't any blood. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, when I got home, no, before I left work, I started spotting. I stayed for the meeting. By the time I got home that evening, um, I started the process. And because I had already went through it before, I didn't even bother to go to the hospital. Um, my husband was back out of town and I started going through a miscarriage and I knew what it was. Um, the, the, the pain moved from my thighs back to my abdomen, my stomach. And um, I was so emotional and so sad and so just all over the place. The next morning I get to Dr. Butler's office and he does a sonogram and he's like, yeah, it's not there. Um, it's gone. You know, you're not, you're not pregnant anymore. Um, and you know, I was hurt. Um, I think I sat there and I think when we went to his office, that's the first time I've ever seen a doctor cry with me or for me or about me. He shed tears in the office and he was like, I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't know. I don't know how we should proceed. I don't know if we should proceed. I just don't know. I was so upset. And um, you know that I felt like a failure again. Um, but I was like, again? Like two back-to-back -back miscarriages in the same year? How does that happen? Like, And how does it happen when it's a perfect embryo again? So I had to really um, go home, sit down, you know, talk to myself and talk to God and self-reflect. But it wasn't in me to give up. Like, I still had the fight in me. Like, no, this is not how it's supposed to end. He didn't let me do this again and come this far and not get to where I'm supposed to be. He didn't let me, you know, spend all of this money and go through all these emotions to not reward me. I, I still have to have my faith. I still have to know that this is going to happen. But you know what? I realized I stopped taking my medication for my autoimmune condition. And I stopped taking it around the time I started taking the medicine for to go through IVF. And so I went back to my doctor, my rheumatologist, and she said, Brandy, you cannot stop taking why did you do that? I said, you know, I don't I think I was taking too many medications. So I just was tired. I just didn't want to take it. I felt like I was fine. I was in remission. So I was good, but I think that was the problem. So I ended up going to see another IVF specialist at Johns Hopkins just to get a second opinion. Come to find out him and Dr. Butler knew each other, whoever would have thought. And he said, listen, your lining is good. Everything is good. He said, but you have, a, you have an autoimmune condition. You have to take your medicine. But I think you're going to get pregnant. You know, let me know. You want me to do it, Dr. Butler to do it. But I think you're going to be pregnant. So that made me feel good to know that everything that Dr. Butler was doing was the right thing, which I knew it was, but just to get it. Sometimes you got to have a second opinion. Like, you got to advocate for your own health. 
Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do things differently this time. I, I mean, this is going to be the last time. So this is the last shot, right? This is it. Um, at this time, I still had uh, one boy left, and I had uh, three girls. Um, so I had to talk to my husband, and he, honestly, I had to respect how he was feeling because he had emotions all over the place, too. Um, is it fair to put my husband through this again? Because he was getting excited about being pregnant, and then now you're not pregnant again, and now you're not. Why do you want to do this a third time? And I said, I just feel like this is the right thing to do, but maybe I, I need to take my medicine. I think that my body is just rejecting the pregnancy because of my condition. So I talked to Dr. Butler. We came up with a plan. Um, I went on an aspirin regimen. I went back on my medication, and I also went on prednisone, which is extremely strong medicine. I was on a low dose, um, but it, they had me on prednisone to help with my autoimmune condition. And as well as my other medication, I got back on that for like a month or two. And then we did another transfer. And I put in the one, the last boy that I had and the one girl. And um, let me tell you, uh, right before the transfer, I went and I had a Reiki session. And Reiki is like, a, you know, all about energies and chakras and all that kind of stuff. And, you know... I had chakra issues in my abdominal area that needed to be open and it was closed. So I went through that. That was like really um, revealing for me. And the person that I went to see, she actually went through IVF herself years ago. And she gave me this bear and it said, I, I, I am IVF or something to that nature. And she said, I want you to hold this bear until you have your child because you're going to have a baby. You hold this bear. I had another client who I gave this bear to, she had the ba a baby, because she had miscarriages too. She gave it back to me, I'm giving it to you. So I take this bear, I start doing meditation, I start doing acupuncture for pregnancy, there's an acupuncture you can go through if you're trying to do pregnancy. I just did different things and stepped outside the box. Obviously I continued to go to church and I kept my faith, but I did things to like help heal my body and my mind too. Um, and I feel like it worked because um, I went through, I did another transfer, and I ended up being pregnant. And, um, you know, I had all the pregnancy tests. I test myself, I test myself, I test myself. But this time, it felt weird. Like, this time I felt sick earlier. I got the, the test results from the doctor's office, and then I was like, like weird, like sick weird, like a weird sick, like just sick, like like a pit in my stomach, I feel like it's gone, or it was just a weird feeling, and so when my husband and I went to Dr. Butler to see if it was one baby, two babies, or whatever it was, we get in there, and I said, Dr. Butler, before you even look in here, I think it's two babies, and he was like, you think that? I was like, yes, something in my heart and my soul tells me that two babies are in there. I feel like they both took because I'm sick. Like, I'm feeling weird. And I didn't feel this way with the last two. I was a little sick, but not like this. Like, something is different. Something's off. He checked. And you already know. The rest is history. They both took. And Yaquan and I were like, oh, my God. It's two babies in there. 
and they both had their fetal pole, and they both had everything they were supposed to have to be a viable pregnancy. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But I also was cautious because we've been down this road before, right? But um, we ended up, we ended up making it to a point that we felt good, right? And we ended up with 